Hey guys, Jim Cox, FFG Advisors, Park Avenue Securities, and I'm here today with an interview with Sadra Shadel. She's with she's a co-founder of a company named No Evil Foods, and they are in the uh, plant-based food space and really doing some amazing work and growing a business and b- making jobs. Just an all-around success story. So I wanted to kind of connect to her and learn more about what she's doing and how everybody is benefiting from that. So, uh, Sadra, I appreciate your taking time to chat. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get into the the food space? Well, um, I mean, I've been... I'm not a, a chef or a food scientist. I don't have um, professional uh, training in the food industry, but um, I've, I've grown up in, in the, my family's kitchen and um, in a vegetarian household in the 80s. Um, there weren't the options available that there are today. So I, I really, you know, we had a family of six. I spent a lot of time cooking food for my family um, with my parents. Uh, both my parents were very involved in the kitchen and everything was made from scratch. So um, that's kind of where my early introduction to um, food and flavors began. Um, Years later, I ended up working in the food and beverage industry um, as front of house management and staff for restaurants and bars. Um, And that helped kind of further develop my understanding and um, how I interacted with food and appreciated it and learned um, to study it in a different way through working in some of those managerial positions. Um, And then my first entry into food from, you know, a professional um, chef perspective was when we launched No Evil Foods in 2014. So it's been a a big learning curve and um, it's been really an exciting ride so far. It's a big uh, step to go from from just managerial or kind of sales experience into entrepreneurship and starting your own business. I mean, did you have, what kind of advice did you have at the beginning of the business in terms of getting into the food space? It, I would imagine it would have been pretty scary. Oh, it was terrifying. Um, and if we had any idea of the amount of growth that we were to expect in the coming years when we started, we may never have decided to do it. But we, we started it from just a, such an innocent and naive place of not even so much wanting to sell anything, but my co-founder, Mike Wolianski, and myself, we wanted to do something. Um, we really wanted to build something that was important to us, held value, aligned with our mission, um, and gave back to our, our close community, but our, our greater community as well. And we expected it to be very small scale. Um, we began at farmer's markets, and we, we didn't really have much of a vision beyond that. Um, There's a very vibrant um, local food scene in Asheville, North Carolina, which is where we're based. And we thought that that could sustain us. Um, and it probably could have, but um, our customers had other plans for us. And the demand for our products um, began to dictate our growth uh, much more so than, than the uh, planning of my partner and myself did. So you're in Asheville now, but you weren't always. You started out, what, in, in northern Pennsylvania or New York? or? Well, my co-founder, um, Mike, and I were also life partners as well. And he and I met living in, in Pennsylvania and Philadelphia. So our story uh, personally begins there. Um, the business has always operated out of uh, the Asheville, North Carolina area. Okay. So you mentioned uh, mission uh, being important to what you're doing. So what is your mission like? What's your, 
overarching goal? Um, it can be very broadly summed up as do no evil. Um, we try to make that a little bit of our, our battle cry and kind of guiding light for our decision-making process as a company. Uh, we're a very purpose-powered uh, company that's focused on impacting environmental sustainability, public health, and animal welfare through um, the accessibility of better cho food choices. And we really believe that every bite that you take of our food um, helps build the resistance and supports our cause to use food as a force for good. Um, and we think that there's a lot of power and opportunity for change and that it can begin simply at the beginning, um, at the center of your plate. That's awesome. I mean, food is one of the leading contributors to climate change. I mean, anything that can be done to kind of improve the sustainability of food practices, I think, can have, you know, massive impacts globally. Can't disagree with you there. What, um, so plant-based foods have been around for a while in terms of you know, as a meat alternative, what what do you think accounts for kind of the increase over the past, I would say, two to three years of the appeal and the kind of just exponential growth of that industry? I think that's a confluence of a number of things. Um, I think that the first and foremost, the uh, visibility of plant-based foods has become much greater in recent years and the impacts um, possible as a result of incorporating more plants in your diet has become much more visible and by that I mean um, there's been a lot of research and publicity around how it can help you from a health perspective and help tackle some of our global public health epidemics like diabetes mm. and heart disease and um, you know, I'm not a, a dietitian but the research is out there that uh, strongly supports the benefits of plant-based diets. Um, again, there's a lot of research right now and um, focus on environmental sustainability and uh, the food print of our, um, you know, the water and carbon emissions footprint of our, our food, um, which is referred to as a food print, and how that can be dramatically lowered by um, a primarily plant-based vegan diet, but also significant changes can be had by choosing to drop meat off the, off the menu one day a week. So it doesn't have to be an all-or-nothing approach. Um, and I think the data and research has really been focusing on that recently, which is piquing people's interest. Um, in combination with that, I think that there's a little bit of a lessening of stigma that has kind of carried through the plant-based vegan vegetarian community over the past 40-plus years, where it's only a diet for people that are on the fringe, um, or it's food that's not for everyone, or it's not very good. And I think the options that are on the market now are very good. And having been experienced in this industry from a personal standpoint for um, over 35 years, I can see the transition of how the products have changed and how the, you know, the bar continues to be raised for these products. And I think that's causing more people to open themselves up to what's happening in the world. Um, and, and when they try it, they say, you know what? It's, it's not so bad. And if it's gonna do all these wonderful things, as a as a result, I I think I can swing this one or two days a week. So I think it's a number of things. Yeah, I mean, I think that the taste has really improved. The um, you know, I, I've told the story before. We've go to uh, a spiritual retreat on Maui, and we've done it for five or six years, and um, 
the uh, menu is is vegeta or vegetarian or vegan, and um, you know the first year it was literally painful. Um, but it's funny how you change because this past year when we went, uh, I found my body literally craving the menu and the food and the vegan alternatives. Um, so I mean, clearly it. You know, change occurs over time, but it's, you know, it, the quality has also improved as well, the taste. Oh, without a doubt. And I think people are becoming much more creative um, in the plant-based food space and realizing that the options for culinary creations expand far beyond a, a hummus wrap or a, a black bean veggie burger. Right? Those things all have their place in a broader culinary landscape, but I think that uh, chefs are beginning to see um, the value of vegetables and plant-based food and, and really approach them in the same way that they would approach, um, you know, traditional proteins, and I think that that's really exciting to see and is, is drawing a lot more people into this, this line of eating. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to interview somebody and then uh, at the same time be looking at uh, pictures of the, the food that you offer and, uh, you know, be hungry for lunch. You know, I can right. hear my uh, stomach grumbling and uh, saying, I got to get some of that. Well, then our marketing is working. Yes, it is. Awesome. <laughs> so what are some of the issues around that you've run into in terms of developing marketable um, vegan products that, you know, obviously taste amazing? Um, you know, because we don't have a chef, uh, you know, a, a trained culinary chef on our staff, um, I'm actually the one that does all of our recipe development. And I take a really um, kind of scientific and at the same time um, studious approach to our meat making. So I really want to understand what makes traditional protein taste like traditional protein. And because mm. I was raised a vegetarian, I don't have that memory bank to draw from as far as what the texture of an Italian sausage should be or the flavor profile of an Italian sausage. So when I started to approach these recipes, I wanted to use very simple ingredients because that's what was accessible to me. I was living in a, a rural place of, in upstate New York and um, what was accessible was the, the bulk department of our local co-op. And so I also didn't have things like extruders at my disposal. So those weren't, they weren't an option, but I did want to create a protein that was texturally appealing um, to myself as a passionate home cook, as well as to my friends and family who did not follow vegan or vegetarian diets. I wanted it to appeal to, to all of us um, so that no one felt like they were getting cheated out of a good meal. Mm. Um, and I wanted to, to stand up to a broad range of culinary techniques. Um, I wanted something that could be smoked and could be braised and could be sauteed and wouldn't fall apart or turn into you know, chewing leather. You know, I really wanted something that was versatile. So I did a lot of trial and error. Um, and a lot of that, again, was, like I said, from a studious approach of researching meat. And what we're working with is plant protein. What's typically worked with is an animal protein. But the seasonings um, and the aroma are a large part of what makes the experience of eating meat what it is. So I researched... For instance, the Italian sausage, I researched sausage recipes and went on sausage forums and inquired with people about, you know, what recipes for Italian sausages 
their great great grandparents passed down to them. Um, I researched old cookbooks and uh, what spice profiles were used in you know traditional cooking for the type of meat that I was seeking to recreate, and that informed the early recipes that we made. Um, then we just tasted them to friends and family and got their feedback. And they said, you know, the flavor needs to pop a little bit more here. It needs a little more chili. Um, the fennel should linger longer. Um, the mm. texture is not firm enough or it's too squishy or, you know, whatever the feedback was, I would then take that back to the drawing board and tweak a little bit of this and a little bit of that um, until I got something that really hit the mark for myself and my goals for a home chef, but also um, something that appealed to a broader uh, palate as well. That's awesome. The uh, I know one of the challenges in terms of, um, you know, running a business is a lot of times people get in their own way. They have their own kind of mindset on how things need to get done or what they want to see, but being open to kind of that kind of feedback to be able to create a more appealing quality product is um, is an awesome strength in a person, an entrepreneur. Thank you. I definitely have my own way of doing things. That's not a um, uh, deny that. But, uh, but I think that if we're trying to reach a broad audience, um, it's not just my opinion that counts. Um, and I think that bottom line is if you're making really great food that – acts the way that people want it to act in their recipes at home, is easy to work with, is made with clean, simple, quality ingredients, um, then that's what's going to appeal to people, and that's what's going to get people to eat this type of food more often, and then be able to impart the type of change that we're looking to with our products. If it doesn't taste good, people won't come back and eat more of it. People yeah. won't tell their friends about it. So it was really important that it didn't only taste good to me, but, but that others found that it was um, top of the line as well. So what are some of the meat products that you've been able to replace with what you have put together in terms of your uh, portfolio of, of uh, plant-based meats? Well, we have a lot that are in the innovation pipeline, but the, the growth trajectory of our company has kept us very, very busy with the, the core set of products that we offer, um, which right now we started at the farmer's markets with our sausages. Um, we started with an Italian sausage, which is a wonderful traditional sausage, um, sweet fennel, rosemary and thyme, um, and also a Mexican style chorizo, which is a more of a fresh style um, sausage as opposed to the um, Portuguese or Spanish chorizo, which is a little more aged and firm, um, but has really bright, zesty flavor. Uh, yeah. So we started with those two products, um, and then we noticed that there was a gap uh, for people looking for something that was a little more neutral in profile. Um, so we introduced uh, our chicken, um, or our no chicken as we call it, and that one became an immediate hit um, and, and inspired us to, to really keep going with our business. Uh, people love that product, and the Italian sausage um, is also one of our best sellers. And so we had those three products for the first few years um, while we were sort of introducing small batch products at farmer's markets and sort of using that as a testing ground, um, which led us to release our fourth core product, which is called Pit Boss. And that is a hickory smoked barbecued pulled pork. Mm. Uh, North Carolina is the largest pork producing state in the country. And the environmental um, effects of that can't 
be understated um, on both the, the physical environment of our water systems and, and soil, but also the environment of the people who live near the farms um, and agricultural production facilities that are producing the, the animals for uh, pork in North Carolina. So we wanted to, to kind of hearken back to our North Carolina roots with the business and also offer a legitimate, sustainable alternative to pulled pork. Um, so we but over hickory wood and it's sauced in a really wonderful um, molasses barbecue sauce. So those are the four that we currently offer. Uh, in addition to a seasonal release called the Pardon, which most people find as um, a centerpiece alternative for their Thanksgiving uh, celebrations, but it can also be used for um, other fall and winter holidays. Um, but so the, the creation and just maintaining the, the um, volume of orders for those four products has been more than enough to keep us busy. Um, we have many aspirations to release new products, um, and, and that's one of the reasons that we're moving into a larger manufacturing facility so that we can um, create more product more efficiently and allow us to diversify our offerings as well. That's awesome. How many, uh, how many people do you expect to employ at the, uh, the new facility? Um, right off the bat, I think in the first year, we'll probably need to bring on about 15 additional staff. Um, we have about 20 people overall, um, organization-wide at the moment, so we'll be definitely increasing our staff numbers to uh, maintain our production goals. What, um, how much in sales do you expect to do this year as opposed to what, what you're going to be able to expand into next year? Well, our revenue this year um, was about I guess, three and a half, four times what it was um, over last year. And um, I guess I can say that immediately our new facility will allow us to double production uh, and also give us some space to increase capacity um, 10 times at least over the next two years. So, wow. um, yeah, if that gives you a kind of general idea of our trajectory. So your your main sales outlet is through Farmer's Market. Um at what point do you start reaching out to kind of the main chains to to offer the product there? Oh, for us it was six months. So the farmers markets was just um, how we got our, our toes wet. Um, and we had no plans to really sell ourselves as a, a retail product available in grocery stores, but our consumers had other plans for us. So before we knew it, um, consumers were going into local retailers in the Asheville area and requesting them to bring in our product so that our, our grocery stores in our area were contacting us asking for our product. Hmm. So within six or eight months of being um, a company, we found ourselves locally on the shelves at Whole Foods. Um, now, now we're in nearly every state in the country, um, including a little bit of a presence in Canada and Mexico. Um, and our retailer count increased about five times from 2017 to 2018. Wow. So, yeah, we, our growth is, is very um, intense right now, which is, again, why we need this facility, and we're so excited to be bringing that online. Um, but, yeah, so we're definitely a, a retail um, brand at this point. So you can find us in places like Whole Foods and Publix and um, Fresh Market, Ingalls, uh, Wegmans, um, and we have plans for additional retail expansion once we have the capacity up for 2019 as well. Um, with your product, is it considered organic? It is not certified organic. Um, we use many organic ingredients, and for us, it's worth the 
it's worth the additional cost to consumers because part of our main drivers is environmental sustainability. So even if we can't, you know, get that sticker of organic certification, we know that it makes a difference to choose organic in our products. So Mm -hmm. um, almost all of our herbs and spices are are organic. Um, Our tomatoes are organic. The beans that we use are organic. Um, The main ingredient right now, which is um, our wheat protein that we use, that's not organic. And so that's the one thing that's kind of holding us from reaching that that number to be able to pursue organic certification. Hmm. Um, And at this scale, that would put us, that would price us out of the category. So uh, that's something that we hope to obtain as we continue to grow, um, but we haven't quite reached it yet. What's the, what's the cost profile of what you're producing as opposed to kind of, um, you know, factory farm uh, products that are in the market? I think if you're looking at, our product in comparison to like a pasture raised local, you know, local meat, we're probably comparable to them. Um, However, our product provides more value in that it's a 100% yield. Um, If you buy, you know, beef for instance, or sausage, a lot of the the weight that you're paying for dissipates as you cook it. Mm, So um, our product is 100% yield. So if you start with 12 ounces, you finish with 12 ounces um and then from a health perspective the value is you know off the charts um, yeah very very rich in protein um we don't add any fats or oils to our four main products so there's no cholesterol and very very minimal fat um and the carbohydrates are low i mean it, it's just a, a wonderfully um health healthy product and uh, very nutrient dense as well that's a great way to look at the uh the financial balance sheet of what you're producing as opposed to what the system currently, you know, puts out. Um, sure. It's more of a big picture approach. I mean, you could choose to pay a little bit more on healthy food, um, but hopefully that's going to repay you many times over in medical bills down the road and, um, and just a feeling of, of having more energy and being more mobile and connected to your food source. I think there's a, a lot of, um, non-unquantifiable value in, in those things as well. Awesome. One of the, um, one of the uh, other developing trends is, is uh, clean meat, which is also a kind of meat alternative. Um, what's your feeling on kind of the development of clean meat and what it means for your industry? I mean, from my perspective, anything that is going to disrupt the traditional method of food production, as far as animal agriculture is concerned, is a promising endeavor. Um, from an animal welfare perspective, from an um, environmental perspective, and I think the health profiles of the clean meat is supposed to be comparable with traditional protein, so I can't speak to that, but... I think anything that's going to help address those two op- um, uh, problems that we're facing now as a global society, are they've got my support. Um, and I think that there will be alternatives. There's enough space and enough people looking for products like ours um, that I think there's going to be room on the shelf for clean meat in addition to our products. There are many people who... Um, but myself, for instance, I'm intrigued by the idea of clean meat, but and, and I, I'm love to support the concept, but I'm not sure how I feel about 
eating it myself. Mm. Um, and I think there's many more people like like me who think that it should exist, think it should be an option, but might not choose it. So I think that's um, where our products could come in and fill the fill the void. Yeah, I mean, clearly in terms of offsetting the the cruelty that's kind of inherently in in the system, uh, I think it's a big step forward. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, what, I had a question and I just forgot it. Um, I, I can't remember it right now. Um, where do you see, uh, what other products are, do you have in the pipeline as far as from a development standpoint? There's a few things that are coming online for 2019 that we've got planned. Um, we plan to enter the, um, the shelf stable space. So that will be a, a new endeavor for us. At the moment, all of our products are offered either refrigerated or frozen. Um, but we have a product line of ready-to-eat shelf-stable um, mm. meat alternatives that are coming out in 2019. Um, we've been sort of slowly testing those out at different um, festivals and farmers markets and trade shows over the past few years and the response has been overwhelming so uh, we're trying to be very strategic about um, getting that out to the public in 2019 so that we can maintain the, the volume of orders that we're anticipating so we've had a, a ton of retailer interest in these particular products so far um, and we're just really trying to make sure that we don't overpromise <laughs> and uh and we're hoping to sell a lot of that um, through our online um, uh, retailers as well. Uh, so that's happening. And then um, a few kind of offshoots of our core set. So um, uh, some deli meat, perhaps, mm. um, some pepperoni, perhaps, things of that sort to you know help, help um, round out some different meal occasions that we might not be capturing yet and offer some more convenient options um, to the plant-based meat set. That's awesome. That uh, That's very creative. I, I can see that taking hold. Um, if somebody wants to uh, learn more about um, No Evil Foods, where can they go? Like, How can they learn more about where you're actually being offered at? Yeah, um, our website is a great place. There's a lot of information about um, our nutritional profiles, ingredient contents, as well as where to find our, our products. Um, there's a zip code uh, store finder that's a wonderful tool. Mm. And the website is uh, noevilfoods.com. Uh, and then for uh, kind of visual inspiration, we do a lot on Instagram. Um, our handle there is at noevilfoods. And it's a really great place to see what other people are using our products, what sort of dishes other people are using our products in, as well as kind of get an inside um, look into what our company is up to and uh, the progress of our new facility will all be shared there as well. Um, and then Facebook is another great place. Um, and again, it's at noevilfoods.com. That's great. I appreciate that. Look forward to um, kind of staying connected as uh, things develop. And, um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll definitely have to follow up in the beginning of the year and, and see where production takes you. I would love that. I think um, 2019 will be our biggest year yet, and uh, we're really trying to get the foundation um, very solid for it so that we can have a really, um, really awesome year. Awesome. All right. Well, um, again, 
enjoy the uh, success, um, and we will uh, stay in touch. Thanks Thank a lot, Sadra. So Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.